Pastor Ray Bentley talks about the day Jesus returns. It will be a day when the world is shattered. I mean, the world, the the physical earth is gonna be shaken. The environment, nature itself is going to have some pretty graphic reactions to the period of time known as the day of the Lord. And it's known as a day of terror. Spread the news of his people coming down before the king. Lift your voice. Jesus is coming. Join the song. Sing along. Let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. For only the most momentous events, newspapers had a special large-sized type or font they used. It was commonly called second coming type. Someday, if any newspapers are still around, you'll get a chance to use it for its definitive purpose. Today, Pastor Ray gives us a snapshot of that day. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. We're going to look at verses 7 through 19, the signs of his coming. And there may be some things that are going to be new for you tonight. Um, In looking at this, this parallels the other Gospels uh, that talk about what we call the Olivet Discourse. Basically, Jesus is answering the question of the disciples, what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Um, And so we're going to be talking about that. But beginning with verse 7, chapter 21, it says, And so they asked him, saying, Teacher, chapter 21, it says, And so they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. And then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, Uh, originally that that idea is simultaneously, and famines, and pestilences, diseases, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, you possess your souls. 
All right, this is called the Olivet Discourse, where the disciples, it's the last week, Jesus is now telling them, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, on the third day I'll rise from the dead, I'm going to my Father in heaven, I'm going to build a place for you, I will come back. So they, they have a kind of understanding that Jesus is leaving, that he is, he is going to heaven. They, they totally don't completely understand the cross they, because they've seen Jesus' power. They've seen the anointing that is upon his life. So they're expecting at some point he would use that power. It won't be until later that they will understand these things. Uh, but they, so now they're, they're saying, what is the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? Now I wanna give you a little background of this prophecy uh, and what the disciples as Jews who believed in God, what their background, what did, they, what did they understand? How had they been raised? What did they already know about uh, prophecy, about the coming of the Messiah and the kingdom of God? And then that will fit Jesus' explanation and interpretation uh, back into that. So the first thing I want to mention is that many of the ancient uh, Hebrew prophets talked about and used a prophetic phrase called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is that great day when the Messiah comes, the kingdom of God comes from heaven. It is earth shaking and it's known as a day of terror. I mean, how many would admit that a God that could create the universe that is so big, you, we can't even see the end of it, would be a fearful, overwhelming experience to see him. So here it is, it's called the day of the Lord, it is a day of terror. Now, I wanna read Isaiah 13 verse nine, I put several scriptures to kind of give the major themes. We could put many other scriptures, but this is one typical of the day of the Lord. So let's read Isaiah 13 verse nine out loud together. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and he will destroy its sinners from it. Uh, he, is, he is angry at sin and he is angry at the devil and he is angry at uh, the principalities and the powers that have brought destruction and desolation. And, and he, let me tell you something, your father in heaven hates with a, visceral hatred, sin, because sin kills, sin blinds, sin robs, sin steals, sin destroys. And God Almighty, he, he doesn't, he, he's not just semi-passionate about it, he hates it. I mean, if you can imagine all the emotion that God is capable of, he's capable of tremendous wrath and he despises sin. He can't even stomach, as it were, an ounce of wickedness or sin and the devastation. So it's a day of terror. So that's the first thing we know about the day of the Lord. Secondly, when it comes, it'll come suddenly. Uh, the world, many of them who are not watching, waiting, and are prepared uh, or seeking the Lord are blindsided by it. And this is a recurring theme, not only from the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well. Paul the Apostle wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. Let's read this scripture out loud. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So only those who are looking for the thief will be ready and be prepared. That would be believers. And so we want to be watching and waiting, praying and ready for him. The next thing, uh, it will be a day when the world is shattered. 
I mean, the world, the, the physical earth is going to be shaken. Uh, the environment, uh, nature itself is going to have uh, some, some pretty uh, graphic reactions to the period of time known as the day of the Lord. So this is just, again, one of many scriptures, Isaiah chapter 13, uh, verses 10 and 13. Let's read this out loud. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. Therefore, I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. So this is pretty powerful stuff. You know, they, they've, they've got all of that in their minds with many other scriptures, a variety of prophets, all saying the same thing about the day of the Lord. And then Jesus has just given them the prophecy about the destruction of Jerusalem, which was fulfilled, as you know, in 70 AD. Uh, if Jesus crucified somewhere around 32 to 33 AD, it means that um, in 70 AD, a little less than 40 years, they had a small window of time uh, as a nation to repent. And so even when you know, they crucified the Messiah, uh, God still didn't immediately judge them. It wasn't like the next day or the next week or the next month or even the next year that, that you know, everything fell apart or the Romans came in. No, it was almost 40 years later. This speaks to God's patience. God's endurance, uh, you know, seeing what had happened there and to his son and the rejection. I came unto my own and my own rejected me. John talks about that in the first chapter. He came unto his own and his own rejected him. And, and yet God was still patient. And finally, essentially, the judgment of God is when he lets go, as it were. And those natural evil forces, they just come and devour and devastate because you would not, Jesus wept. He said, you wouldn't come to me that I might bring you peace. And so over 1 million, Josephus tells us that over a million Jewish people died in 70 AD when the Romans came in. Almost 100,000 were carried away into captivity. The Jewish nation was obliterated. The temple was set on fire, the holy temple of God and became a desolation. So now the disciples have come and they want to know what, are, what is the sign of thy coming? So let's look at the signs. Uh, he gives several. The first sign is in verse eight. And that is that there will be religious delusion. Religious delusion is a great sign of the coming of the Lord. And he said, verse eight, take heed that you be not uh, deceived or not be deceived for many will come in my name saying I am he and the time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. Now notice Jesus asked, they asked him for a sign. Jesus now gives them signs. So they thought there would be one big event, but Jesus actually tells them, no, there will be a number of different signs to look for. And the very first sign that Jesus gave is religious delusion. Now, unless you've really looked at and studied history, you probably only know a more recent version of uh, messiahs. Uh, there, there are various people in some of the new age religions who have said, I am the Messiah claiming to be Christ. Uh, but it goes way, way back. Did you know, and maybe you did, maybe you did not, there were many Jews who claimed to be the Messiah before Jesus came. And there were Jews even after Jesus came who said, I am the Messiah. 
One of the more famous was a man named Bar Kokhba who said, I am the Messiah and I will do what Jesus didn't do. I'm gonna take up arms and overthrow the Romans. But it ended up, they got wiped out and crushed. And from 70 AD, that begins what's known as the Jewish diaspora, the Jewish scattering. Jews were scattered like seed to the wind to literally all around the world. And for so long that most Bible teachers and Christians thought, well then God, they must have been somehow cursed because they killed you know, the Messiah, forgetting that it was the Romans who actually did it and that the, all the world is guilty. You know that, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It wasn't the Jews who killed Jesus, it was humanity. Uh, both Gentile and Jew were all guilty, amen? I mean, that's first base of knowing the gospel and the good news, we're all sinners. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Pastor Ray's messages reach so many each day, and we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the world. I tuned in from England and was able to witness Daniel Bentley's anointing as pastor. What a legacy Pastor Ray left. Well done in raising up a son such as this. Pastor Daniel is continuing the work the Lord gave Ray decades ago. We watched Daniel preach following the anointing, and there is no doubt whatsoever the Lord's hand is on him. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio. If you'd like to write a message, send an email to ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. And so it was our sins that crucified him. But the Jews were scattered literally around the world. And so the church leaders began to say, God has kind of, you know, they're under a curse. They killed the Messiah. They crucified God and, and God is done with them. There were even some church leaders who said Jews couldn't even be saved and justified persecuting them and being anti-Semitic and all the rest. But even the ones who weren't that bad said, well, at the very least, God has no further destiny, no further purpose, no plan for the Jews. They're scattered as an example of what happens when you turn your back on God and they're abandoned for the rest of time and eternity. And basically they began what we now call replacement theology, saying that we, the church, have replaced Israel. For almost 2,000 years, that's the way it was until God had another plan in mind. He had something else in mind. We'll get to that in just a moment. But the religious delusion, Jesus says he warns them that there are gonna be people that are gonna come. Satan is a counterfeiter from the beginning. Uh, he has for centuries deceived people, led people astray, deceiving their minds and their hearts. And he copies or imitates God. That's ultimately what the Antichrist is going to be. Uh, he is an imitation, but he will be obviously much less than and he will also come under great judgment by God. So that's the first sign. False prophets, false religions, uh, which are here in many forms today. Now, the second sign, verses nine through 11. This is actually a series of signs, but I've put, kind of put them all together in this one second super sign. There will be international stress. Now we get to dial it in a little bit. Look with me in verse nine. Jesus said, but, okay, so yeah, there's gonna be for the next oh, 2,000 years, false Christ, false messiahs, false religions, false prophets, 
But when you hear of wars and commotions, and that word commotions can also be translated revolutions, when you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Okay, so we've got wars and revolutions. But verse 10, then he said to them, so pause, adding a new thought, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now we're gonna pause there for a moment and just look at verses nine through 11. Because these signs that he read in verses 10 and 11 are the signs that we're getting to the end of the age. So first of all, wars and revolutions. Jesus said wars, revolutions are going to be a constant the entire time between my first coming and my second coming. There is a, uh, a man named Will Durant and this is something that he wrote a while ago, he said, war is one of the constants of human history and is not diminished with civilization or with democracy. In the last 3,421 years of recorded history, only 268 have seen no war. So that means that basically, pretty much anytime you're alive as a human being on planet Earth, there's a war going on somewhere, somehow, sometime. And Jesus said, this will be a constant between my first coming and second coming. He said, but just because there's wars, that doesn't mean it's the day of the Lord yet. Ah, but verse 10, after a pause, now he's, then he said to them, okay, now I know they're on the edge of their little seats. <laughs> they're drawing up their little robes. He's gonna give them more details now in verse 10. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now what I wanna do is I wanna compare this because this is the same sermon that is also found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. And I wanna to read to you because uh, Matthew adds a little phrase that helps clarify this. So I put it into your notes. This is uh, from the NIV uh, version, Matthew 24 verses seven and eight. Let's read this scripture out loud together. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, there's two phrases that I've underlined there. One is nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That's a, a Hebrew idiom. That means it's a Hebrew phrase that has a deeper meaning than at first glance. You know how we have phrases in English that you kind of need to be, you can study English abroad, you know, from a book or from some tapes, and you would learn a certain kind of English, but we have a little vocabulary that's kind of, you gotta, kind of gotta be here, being in America and talk in a certain way so you know, because some things don't mean in English exactly what we say. For instance, if we say, man, that's, that's so off the wall. Okay, let's say you're from another country, you come here off the wall, you're thinking of a wall being off of the wall. But you're saying, no, 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 that, that's not what I mean. What I mean is it's just, it's crazy. Okay, crazy, off of the wall. Uh, you know, they're trying to figure that out. Well, here is this Hebrew idiom. To understand the Hebrew phrase, nation in, uh, against nation, kingdom against kingdom, it is necessary to return to the Jewish origin of these statements. 
And let me just tell you simply what it means in Hebrew. If you spoke Hebrew and in the vernacular and phrasing there, this is a Hebrew idiom for world war. World war. What Jesus is then saying, beginning in verse 10, is that when there is world war, rather than merely local wars or regional wars, but when the whole world is at war, then that war would signal that the end of the age has begun. And therefore, World War I, which is the first war in history that is known and described as World War, it was just talked about as the war to supposedly end all wars, started in 1914 and went through 1918. And I believe was the fulfillment of what Jesus was talking about in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verse 10. And as all, virtually all historians would agree, for those who have studied history, World War II was in many ways a continuation of World War I. And what was this all about? Now this is not something you're going to get in, in college, you're not gonna get from a professor of geopolitics. They have their answers. But when we're speaking biblically, as Jesus is now giving a prophetic and a very Hebrew uh, wording, phrasing, idioms, describing the sign of the end of the age and World War, which will be World War I followed by World War II, a continuation of all that. It has to do with Israel. It has to do with what the church gave up on. And what it's really all about is, if you go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses one through three, what is called in the Bible the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant, believe it or not, and some of you, maybe you've never heard that before, but let me share with you, it's way back in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, you're only a few pages into it, and here's this guy named Abraham who's called the father of the faith. God made a covenant, a contract, if you will, with Abraham, and I, I wanna tell you that tonight, that Abrahamic covenant is still in effect. It is a living contract covenant between God and Abraham. In the midst of that covenant, God said in Genesis 12 verse three, and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. God said, I have a plan, I have a purpose uh, for you, Abraham, and for your descendants. Now obviously the most important part of that is that the Messiah, Jesus, the savior of the world, both Jew and Gentile, would be brought into the church and God would make out of that one new man. But also in the Abrahamic covenant, God still has a plan and a purpose for the Jewish people. So since the first world war, the world has entered into, I believe, the last days of the church age. Pastor Ray Bentley, giving us some modern historical perspective on the prophecies in scripture fascinating insights today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, The Signs of His Coming, Part 1. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. 
In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.